are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for mid-August 2013. Before I introduce myself and the other folks, I want to remind you, if you're into all that social media stuff, hey, that's awesome because we are too. Follow us on Twitter. We're actually tweeting at, at QT3, the letter Q, the letter T, the number three. Uh, please like us on Facebook. We're even doing stuff there. And of course, if you give us five stars on iTunes, Jason McMaster will record the greeting on your voicemail system. Uh, this yes. week, Nick Diamond is not with us. He is on special assignment covering the Southwest Regionals for Fat Princess. But fortunately, I am here. My name is Tom Chick. And my game of the week this week is not Left for Dead. Oh, I'm Jason McMaster. You may know me from such things as being me. And um, my game of the week is uh, it's not Saints Row 4. Oh, my name is Rob Harvey. I post a chaplain on the forums, and my game of the week is not Guild Wars 2. Hello, I'm Josh Beiser, and I post on as Jab on the forums, and my game of the week is not Dragon's Crown. I don't like any of you guys. Those are all games worthy of <laughs> games of the week. Man, we're a bunch of jerks on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I just, to let folks know how dense I am, I don't think I ever knew this, Josh, is your middle initial A? Yes, it is. Because oh, I've seen you like, never picked that up, really. You know oh, what, Master? <laughs> like when you jab someone, that could be like a term of endearment, or that that could be like a nickname. Like that could be the name of a thief in your D and D campaign, for instance, or a halfling. You know, I don't know. A halfling rogue in D and D might be named Jab. So I didn't know if Josh was doing that. It just occurred to me. Uh, so uh, Josh, nicely played. Yep, I got lucky that my parents named my middle name Andrew, or this would all be for naught. Right, you'd have to be like me, I would be Tuk. Like that's, <laughs> it doesn't really work that well. Uh-huh. Josh, you're here with us because, uh, well, a couple of things. You have a website called uh, GameWisdom.com. I encourage folks to check that out. It's Game-Wisdom.com, uh, where you can discover things like uh, Josh's really into Katie Couric specials. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Josh does a regular podcast called the Perceptive Podcast, and uh, I noticed most recently I had a fellow who we love hearing from, Chris Gardner, who has done some writing for Fail Better Games and Fall in London, uh, was on your podcast. So I encourage folks uh, check out Game Dash Wisdom and uh, listen to Josh on the Perceptive Podcast. But more relevantly to today's podcast, we have Josh here because for whatever reason. It's sort of like a child prodigy with a piano or something. Uh, if you're going to play a co-op shooter like Left 4 Dead or <laughs> Payday 2, which we've been doing a lot of this week, uh, Josh is kind of like the, the guy you want uh, on your side. Uh, Josh, I've asked you this before. I don't know that I've ever gotten an adequate answer from you. Why are you so good at these games? I really don't know because I really don't play a lot of first-person shooters like competitively. I stay away from Call of Duty, Halo, those types of games. And it just sort of clicked with me with these co-op-based shooters. Yeah, guys like me who would like to be good at games, we don't like this. Oh, it just clicked with me. That, that doesn't help me, Josh. I was hoping it would be something like a particular diet and a training regimen. Uh, <laughs> Eight hours a day since he was two. Right, that's, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. Uh, uh, Josh has played a lot. So, I mean, that, that might be part of it, too. 
Well, that's the, that's the route that I'm taking to try to get better with these. Yeah, uh, well, and, and not to knock Josh down or anything, but do we really need a prodigy to really show us up in, in some of these? Uh, considering some of the missions I've played, I would say yes. Yeah, I like having a prodigy myself. <laughs> so if you haven't figured it out by now, this is going to basically be a Payday 2 podcast. Uh, it only came out a couple of days ago. There was a uh, fairly extensive, a couple weeks at least, beta before that where folks could play. But given that it's a, it's a heavily leveling-based game, uh, when the beta started, they made clear that, hey, you can play all you want right now, but when the game comes out, we're going to wipe your progress. So wow. I know that's, that scared a few of us away from spending much time with the beta. <laughs> Uh, but we have uh, made up for it by diving in a fair amount over the last couple of days, and we want to talk about it. So this is the Payday 2 podcast. If you're hoping to hear about stuff that's not Payday 2, well, there will be a little of that at the end. Uh, but for the most part, Payday 2. So we have all played. Uh, I'd like to go around the room briefly and ask you guys what kind of character build you are working towards. Um, Rob, why don't you start us out? Uh, what, what sort of character build are you working towards in Payday 2? I think my character build is roughly throwing darts at the wall, and they seem to have clustered around Mastermind, although I don't really know exactly what I'm building for. Wait a minute. Are you putting points in in more than one of the skill tree things? Well, only to the extent that I took some uh, other advice on the forum and you know grabbed some of the bottom tier stuff, you know, like the ammo bag and the medic bag and the... Ah, um, right, right. So, but I mean, I really, no, but beyond that, no. But I'm also not, I mean, I'm kind of all spread out, and it's not really a, a build per se, it's just like, you know. Let's uh, imagine that we're looking uh, several levels into the future. What is this mastermind going to be able to do for our team? Uh, well, if I could really understand how the <laughs> hostage control process goes, it seems like he is the one who really does that. He does the the crowd control with, you know, extra zip ties and being able to intimidate people from range. Uh, it seems like he's got some sort of strange res mechanic where he can even help team members up by shouting at them. Uh, oh, I like that. It, we tried that with McMaster; it wasn't working, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, and so he's, and he also seems to specialize. It looks like the different trees specialize in different weapons. He specializes in pistols, and because ammo seems to be such a uh, uh, prime resource in the game, I'm trying to get the most out of the amount of ammo. Trying to make my pistol be a pretty useful weapon, at least partway through the heist. I noticed with disappointment once I had already decided I'm going to be a ghost uh, that the only special weapon bonus that I seem to get on my tree is for stupid old submachine guns. I have no desire to fiddle with submachine guns. So, you know what, the good news, though, is that's one thing on my skill tree I don't feel like wasting points on. That's always helpful. Um, Josh, what are you uh, building towards with your character? I decide to live dangerously. I'm going up both the Enforcer and the Ghost Tree, so I'm, like, splitting half and half between them. Whoa, that's, uh, yeah, Josh, that's pretty, ooh, that's... <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Is that an acceptable way to play the game? Is Josh doing it wrong, you guys? I don't know. <laughs> He's the prodigy, man. I, He's a ghost forcer. <laughs> <laughs> He's very aggressive when he's being sneaky. It sounds like the name of a new TNT uh, prime drama show. Yeah, I could tell right? Man, I need to work on that. <laughs> uh, McMaster, speaking of needing to do work, so your character build, we've decided, so you're the coffee boy? 
on the mission. Like you, we're basically playing the mission, and you basically get us coffee, and every now and then fix the drill. Is that kind of the build you're working on? Um, I'm kind of actually going for the human embodiment of Sex Farm by Spinal Tap. So <laughs> I'd miss that skill tree, Dad. Come it. <laughs> you have to look real close for it. Uh, so actually, McMaster, we did determine that you're not necessarily the guy who's supposed to be picking locks. There was some confusion about that that you, uh, yeah, you apparently had. Yeah, like you, you had some trouble figuring that out on the skill tree. I, I understand what it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you know what it was is because it wasn't on my skill tree. It was on your skill tree. Mm, yeah, and I feel that that's the failing on your part that you didn't oh, alert me to that while you were still running around picking locks. I don't know. Who knows? You know what, McMaster? Let's agree to disagree. Okay, that's, that's fair. <laughs> so you're what? You're you're not really a coffee boy because everyone uh, knows that's that's not really a class in the game. Uh, what do you got going, McMaster? When you join uh, our team, sell yourself to us. What can you do for our team? I can place trip mines, and also I am the dude that works on drills. I can restart them faster, and they have a small chance of restarting themselves. <sighs> really. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, can we just get two of Josh Spicer's on our team? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Let's settle this. The only way that this sort of thing should be settled, let's have a Payday 2 quiz. Uh-oh. Now, yeah, this is, this is a contest. Uh, if you're listening, you can play at home. You will have to use the honor system, though, in terms of whether or not you get the answers right. Uh, here, I'm going to be the judge. I'm going to be giving the questions. You guys are all competing. The prize is one of you will win. Whichever one of you wins on the podcast, everyone else on the podcast, for the duration of this episode, has to call that person Sir. Nice. With an E or an I? Not Sire, Sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's S-E-R or S-I. Anyway, never mind. I don't know what fantasy game you're referencing, McMaster, but I don't know it. Uh like many of your references. I'm going to guess it's something from Skyrim. Didn't get to that part yet. Uh, so here's the deal. I, for instance, let me just start. Which one of you can name? It's sort of like naming the seven dwarves. Who here can name all four of the gang members in uh, in, in Payday and Payday 2? And McMaster, go. What do you got? Give us the four names. Oxen, Dallas, Wolf, and Chains. Very good. Now, McMaster, if that had been the quiz, you would have won. That's not the quiz, though, but that is important knowledge for this quiz. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I've done, I hope this isn't as, as convoluted as I'm worried it's going to be, but what I have done is I have taken these four names, and I'm going to give you four names of either real people or places or whatever. I'm going to just give them to you, in, not in any particular order. And then round robin, and we're going to go in alphabetical order, so it'll go from Josh to McMaster to Rob. You get to try to guess which one of those real-world people or places or whatever belongs to one of the names of the gang members in uh, Payday. So, for instance, if I said, you know, a city in Texas... Uh, or a dog-like animal in the wild, or two other things, then whoever would go first, Josh would go, okay, the city in Texas, Dallas, and he would get one point for that. So you're going to be ruling out as we go who is which one. Now, it's not going to be that easy. Now, hopefully this will become clear as we do it. But what I'm going to do is I will call on Josh. Josh can pick one of the people I've just said and associate it with one of the gang members in Payday. However, it's, I'm going to throw in a curve, 
We're going to have three rounds of this. Each round, there's also an entirely fake clue that doesn't go to any one of the names in Payday. So, just to give you guys an, an idea of what you're in for, here's what round one is. Keep in mind, each one of these is either one of the four guys in Payday or completely fake and not even a real person, thing, or place. So, for instance, here's round one. You have these five people or things to choose from. A Jewish biochemist, biochemist from Britain who lost family in World War II and won a Nobel Prize for analyzing penicillin. That's one. This character from a movie gets killed in an air duct. That's two. One of the two black men who fought for Texas in the Battle of the Alamo, who survived and went on to become a political advisor to Lincoln, President Lincoln. That's three. A stop on the London Overground, as opposed to the London Underground, also called the Tube. And then finally, an author who's a prominent figure in contemporary feminism and who's also kind of hot. So those five, I think those are all people. No, one of them is a stop. Those four people and one stop on the London Overground either associate with one of the gang members or it's a complete fake out. So again, quickly, a Jewish biochemist from Britain lost family in World War II and got a Nobel Prize for analyzing penicillin. Character from a movie who gets killed in an air duct. One of two black men who fought for Texas in the Battle of the Alamo. He survived and went on to become a political advisor to Lincoln. A stop on the London Overground. Or an author who's a prominent figure in contemporary feminism who is also kind of hot. Josh, from that list... Pick one and associate it with one of the names from, from Gangs and Payday. Okay, I'm going to pick the contemporary author who's a feminist, mm-hmm. and I'm going to associate that with Wolf. Very good, Naomi Wolf. Uh, and so now you guys know, the rest of you know, Wolf is no longer associated with one of the clues, so that's ruled out. And Josh has one point. By the way, who's with me that uh, Naomi Wolf is kind of hot? Are we all agreed I, there? I don't. Uh, you sure? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> McMaster, you are next. What were you left with? Jewish biochemist from Britain who lost family in World War II and won a Nobel Prize for analyzing penicillin. A character from a movie who gets killed in an air duct. One of two black men who fought for Texas in the Alamo and survived and went on to become an advisor to Lincoln. Or a stop on the London Overground. Oh, God. It's tough, I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, you have a one in three chance. Oh, not really. <laughs> That's right. You <laughs> could pick the fake one. That's true. You have a one in four chance. Well, you know what? I'm not going to. Then do you it. have to actually pick. It's actually anyway. Whatever. I'm going to get into the math. Um, so we know that Wolf is out. Yep. Uh, and that leaves Chains, Dallas, and Hoxton. <sighs> I'm probably going to be wrong on this, and that's what's really sad. Uh, the uh, stop on the London uh, Hoxton. Very good. Hoxton Station is a stop on the London Overground. Not the Underground. you got to leave the tube <laughs> and get on the Overground Rail. But Master, you have a point. It's been embarrassing. <laughs> so we know that both, uh, uh, what are the two left? Chains and Dallas are still in play for you, Rob. So, a Jewish biochemist from Britain who lost family in World War II won a Nobel Prize for analyzing penicillin, a character from a movie who gets killed in an air duct, or one of two black men who fought for Texas in the Battle of the Alamo, he survived and went on to become an advisor to Lincoln. 
Uh, Chains and Dallas are left. I feel like I'm just guessing. My Scantron sheet did not come filled out. And I better not hear anyone Googling, by the way. Uh, <laughs> nope. Hmm. Oh, that wouldn't be fair. Let's try... Dallas as a survivor tried to, or ended up being an advisor to Lincoln. So that is incorrect, but I won't oh. tell you the answer because we're going to keep going around. So that is incorrect. I don't. You don't know if it's the fake one, if it's Chains, but you know it is not Dallas. So we come back to Josh. Josh, can you guess one? Okay. I'm going to guess that for the person in a movie who died in an event, I'm going to say Dallas because that sounds like a good movie name. It is indeed the captain and alien. Yeah. Uh, played by Tom Skerritt. The character's name is Dallas, and he chases the alien around in a duct. And in a famous scene, he turns around with a flashlight, and oh, look, an alien. <laughs> so very good. Josh, you have two points. McMaster, that leaves you. Only Chains is in play. What we have left are, which we don't know for sure, one of two black men who fought for Texas in the Battle of the Alamo who survived and became an advisor to Lincoln, or a Jewish biochemist from Britain who lost family in World War II and won a Nobel Prize for analyzing penicillin. Um, uh, one of those is Chains. You know, uh, I'm going to go with uh, the biochemist. Very good. McMaster, you have two points. Ernest Boris Chain was yeah. indeed uh, – did, and I'm sure you knew that, McMaster. Oh, obvious. No, uh, what I didn't uh, – no, it's, it's just process of elimination. Very good. Uh, yeah, I don't think a black man who fought in the Alamo would – It would be named Chains. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was what I, I – I was going to say it would be an advisor to Lincoln, but McMaster, you have a point there. Yes, very good. <laughs> All right, so that's, that's round one. Rob, what's going on? They each have two points. I don't know. They're Sir McMaster, Sir Jab. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> you're going to get to go first. You're in last place in round two. Here are your five choices. Again, one is fake. The other ones go to either uh, Wolf, Dallas, Chains, or Hoxton. Here we go. This politician who died three weeks before V-Day in a buzz bomb attack famously warned Churchill that Hitler was not to be trusted. A character who figures prominently in resolving a difficult situation in a Quentin Tarantino movie. An Australian blues band that's been on again, off again since 1968. Their most recent album, Sweet Honey, came out in 2005. The bassist in a punk band, The Four Skins. Or a decommissioned World War II destroyer, and an active Los Angeles-class submarine in the U.S. Navy. Oh, so, I'm up? Yep, up to you, Rob. So a politician who died before the buzz, died in a buzz bomb attack and famously warned Churchill not to trust Hitler, a character who figures prominently in resolving a difficult situation in a Quentin Tarantino movie, an Australian blues band, been on again, off again since 68. They released an album called Sweet Honey in 2005. The bassist in a punk band, The Foreskins, or a commissioned World War II destroyer and an active Los Angeles-class submarine in the Navy. Uh, I'm going to go for the Navy, and I'll try to match with Dallas again. Absolutely. The USS Dallas was a destroyer in World War II, and it's a, currently a submarine. Rob, you're on the map with one point. Whew. Around to Josh. Josh, what's left? The politician who died three weeks before B-Day a character who figures prominently in resolving a difficult situation in a Tarantino movie, the Australian blues band, or the bassist in the punk band? Okay. 
I'm going to go with the character in a Quentin Tarantino movie, and I'm guessing Wolf. Very good. Do you know who played him? No idea. Whoa, so you get... It's uh, Harvey Keitel's name in Pulp Fiction was uh-huh. Winston Wolf. Uh, all right, so McMaster, down to you. So Dallas and Wolf are out of the running. You're left with a politician who famously warned Churchill that Hitler was not to be trusted, the Australian blues band, or the bassist in a punk band called the Foreskins. Uh, the Jesus and Mary Chains. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's, you gave me an answer. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> the band that released Sweet Honey. Jesus yes. Mary Actually, they're just called Chain. But you are correct. There is an Australian band called Chain. So that leaves Hoxton for what? Uh, no, go ahead. I, I'm just, I was. No, you're, you got it. Maybe on accident, but you totally got it. <laughs> so that leaves Rob. We know Hoxton is either a politician who died three weeks before V-Day in a buzz bomb attack and who famously warned Churchill not to trust Hitler, or the bassist in a punk band called the Foreskins. Which one is a Hoxton? Uh, <laughs> we'll do the coin flip and say it sounds more like somebody had been killed in a buzz bomb attack. I don't think there was any such person. Oh, no, there is, how, however, uh, and I'm sorry, this does not go to Josh because he wouldn't have to guess. There is, however, the basis in the foreskins is named Hoxton Tom. Mm. All yeah, right. No, the, the closest thing to that would be, uh, that crazy uh, occult-obsessed dude that was one of Hitler's guys that tried to fly or flew to England. Uh, that was known... He That was Wolfie McGuire. Oh, it was Wolfie McGuire. <laughs> I remember him. <laughs> All right, in the final round, Josh and McMaster are tied for three points. Rob, you're bringing up the rear with one point, so you start again. Here we oh. go. Once again, this is the final round. Four names of the, the characters from Payday and one fake one. Here are these five people. The name of one of the actors on The Walking Dead. John Connor does not have a dog with this name. Also, his foster parents are dead. The name of a neighborhood in the 19th most populated city in the world. A five-star general who retired from the military and became a corporate big shot in railroad, tobacco, agriculture, and insurance. And then finally... The name used by a porn star originally from Alabama who found success in Japan. Any guesses, Rob? Uh, I'm going to say Schwarzenegger was asking about the dog Wolfie. Very good. John Connor does not have a dog with this name, and his foster parents are dead. Do you remember what the dog's name actually was? Uh, No. Max. <laughs> oh, okay. And I only know because I had to verify. I watched the scene again to verify. So that takes Wolfie out of the running. Josh, Wolfie. it's up to you. Uh, the name of one of the actors on The Walking Dead. We know Wolfie is not one of these. The name of a neighborhood in the 19th most populated city in the world. A five star general who retired and went into railroad, tobacco, agriculture, and insurance corporate world stuff. Or the name used by a porn star originally from Alabama who found success in Japan. Okay. I'm going to guess the porn star and Hoxton. That is incorrect, I'm afraid. Uh. But yet, you don't know which one it may or may not be. So, McMaster, that's down to you. We have still left in the running Dallas, Hoxton, and Chains. Your three possibilities are the name of one of the actors on The Walking Dead, 
the name of a neighborhood in the 19th most populated city in the world, the five-star general, or the name used by a porn star originally from Alabama who found success in Japan? I'll, I'll go with neighborhood in Hoxton. Very good. It was a tube stop, it's, <laughs> and it's also a neighborhood in London. McMaster, you've got four points. You are in the lead. Rob, for three points, Dallas or Change are still on the board. The name of one of the actors in The Walking Dead, the five-star general who retired from the military, uh, and the name used by a porn star originally from Alabama who found success in Japan. Hmm. I guess I'll, again, just try Dallas just because, and because you're mentioning Alabama and Japan, we'll try Dallas with the porn star. I'm afraid not. There is, Aww. as far as I know, no porn star in Japan named Dallas who is originally from Alabama. Josh, please get this point because I don't want McMaster to win. I, I mm. don't know that I can bring myself to call him sir for an entire podcast. This will tie you with McMaster. We are left with Dallas and uh, Chains. The clues are the name of one of the actors on The Walking Dead, the five-star general who retired and went into railroad, tobacco, agriculture, and insurance, or the name used by a porn star originally from Alabama who found success in Japan. Okay, I'm going to go with five-star general in Dallas. I'm afraid that is incorrect. Uh, uh. McMaster, please get one wrong now. Please. <laughs> Dallas and Chains are left. There's the walking dead actor, the five-star general, and the porn star originally from Alabama. Uh, all right. Dallas with the walking dead. I'm sorry I didn't hear you. Could you, could you say that? <laughs> Dallas with the walking dead? So you're saying Chains is the name of one of the actors on The Walking Dead? <laughs> Dallas, I think, is what it was. Actually. <laughs> so the the uh, the governor character has a has a toady named Milton, and the actor's name is Dallas Roberts. Uh, McMaster, you've won with five no, points. No, 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 no. 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 <laughs> it's not Wait, what McMaster. happens, sir? It's Sir McMaster. Oh, sir! Uh. It's five points. Oh my golly! <laughs> oh, McMaster. <laughs> Master, sir. Oh, that's horrible. I did not think it was going to shake out this way. <laughs> that was really yeah. not my intention. Ah. So, folks, know uh, the general who retired is a fellow named John T. Chain, who's been on the, the boards of, like, uh, R.J. Reynolds, uh, 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 some insurance company, uh, the Northeast, anyway, railroad company. He's a real person. I'm not aware of any porn star who found success in Japan originally from Alabama, so that was the fake one. No, sir, I would know that, so I didn't even bother. <laughs> well played. Uh, you are our winner, <laughs> Sir McMaster. Very nice. All right. So, uh, wow, so that happened. Uh, <laughs> hey, now. All right, so, uh, McMaster, sir, why don't you start us out? Uh, tell us overall, what what, are you, what is your feeling about this new payday? More of the same, cool new stuff. Uh, how are you feeling about it? Uh, so far, I like it better. Better than the original. Um, it, it has a pretty good range of things. I, I like the amount of activities. I like the different missions. Uh, it, it seems to have some good stuff going for it, and all the customization is pretty cool, too. Mm -hmm. uh, any reservations? Is there anything in the first couple of days you've been playing it, sir, where you think, I don't know that I'm crazy about this design decision? Um, hmm. Well, uh, it took me a while to figure out how to start a game, but I mean... Yeah, well, why is that? Because I, I think to say about that. Yeah, well, let's get into that because I think there's something that. Why? What, what's the problem with starting a game? You press start and you're playing, right, sir? 
Um, well, I actually, I'll defer to Ross on this one because he's the one that showed me how to uh, how to do it. All right, uh, Rob, what what kind of problem would would a fellow like Sir McMaster have starting the game? How hard can it be? You know, the game seems like it's really improved over the other one in a lot of ways. It seems like you know the first one was kind of you know the proof product, and now they've kind of actually made the game. But their browser is just. It's just kind of a, a, a mess and really a turnoff for anybody that I think would be trying to play the game because it's not even a browser. It's this weird city map that you first have to go into crime.net button to get to, and then there's all these dots and icons, and it's just really convoluted in ways that doesn't make sense when you can't just have like a list of servers with ping and number of people in them or something. It's very non-traditional. That's, that's one of the nicest things you can say about it, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> uh, I could kind of understand why they want to do it that way, um, to maybe encourage variety or to just make it easy to jump into something to see what happens, uh, or to even hide. Like one of the things about the first payday, did that only have what six or seven missions? Um, uh, I think so. I know they added. Two with the DLC they released. Right, right, right. But uh, it, 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 one of the the misleading things about Payday is that you might look at that and think, oh, there's only the, these missions, and you might not realize or appreciate how much variety there can be in the missions with the way that the cops spawn and some of the changes you could have in some of the the, the, the scripting trees, for lack of a better word. Uh, so maybe they wanted to avoid that perception by just sort of forcing you into a configuration where you don't really get to pick things. Um, but even then, it's kind of an odd interface for, as you sit there, the circle for each mission, I think it's filling up and then it's going to vanish. Like they, they flicker in and out. So you could just sit there and wait, uh, which seems odd. Why not just let you pick some of the parameters? Uh, I don't know. Does anybody here want to defend that? Josh, how do you feel about them doing it that way? It's definitely a little weird. I, from what I saw on the Steam description, they're sort of saying that it's like an RPG and an action game, and I think that's sort of where this whole system goes is going from. Because if you're looking at the map, some of them become highlighted red. They're considered like the pro mode or the higher difficulty, mm-hmm. and they're worth like several times more experience and money. So I guess it's sort of like a way of, I guess like reserving a higher level challenge for people but i have to agree with jason or sir jason (laughs) that is (laughs) that it just feels like unnecessarily clunky compared to the first game where it's you know set level set difficulty boom you're done right and i'm not always clear like what i'm picking or I don't, yeah. What did what did the little figures mean? Is it the number of people waiting to play? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, See, that's I, what I kept wondering. It's like there's just this is like going on everywhere, just going nuts. And like you're looking around, it's like all these like names and stuff over things, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, sometimes sure. it looks to me like when when you would play a game like Just Cause for a while, and you're unlocking all these activities and icons, and you right. go to the map and you zoom all the way out, and it looks like somebody just sort of dumped a pile of icons down on the on the map and it it can look like that at times uh and i'm like how am i supposed to figure out what i want to do or what i'm supposed to do oh well what the heck i'll just click on one of them uh it's definitely an odd choice yeah and not uh, even one of them because you'll end up i mean trying to play this just 
just as a you know general consumer trying to jump in as I've tried to do a couple of times and it's just it's maddening because you jump into a lobby and then it disappears or you find yourself in it alone or you're actually with people that want to kick other people out and it's 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 just so much it just it, it could be so much more straightforward than it is and I don't know why I mean the thing you were saying about them trying to hide missions I don't know why because they have a huge amount of missions with lots of variety and I, I just I really don't understand why they went this way. Well, especially because when you first play, those first maybe, I don't know, five, ten levels, you think, oh, really? This is all? But once you start unlocking the new tiers of levels and the multi-day levels, and certainly as we were playing today, and Rob, you and I last night, I was seeing all sorts of cool new things that I had no idea were there and would have kind of been a cool incentive. Like to know, hey, you've got really cool missions waiting for you once you grind a little, basically once you kill some of these rats in the basement. Like I didn't really know I was in that kind of game progression structure. Um, so, uh, yeah, at first it's, it just made, to me, it made the game seem just way more limited. I felt like, oh, there's only four maps and a couple of objectives on each one. This sucks. Um, but, yeah, clearly not the case. There's some crazy variety in there. Let's talk about some of the variety. Uh what uh, what kind of crazy things have you guys seen? Uh, well, one thing I've noticed, one thing I think is really cool, is that the missions are random. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, you go in and yes, you'll have a, an objective to you know steal jewelry or to dock over a, a bank or whatever. But I've noticed critical things get jumbled around. It's like okay, you know, you maybe want a key card, but where is it going to be? It moves, or you know, there's maybe going to be a safe, and but. Where is that safe going to be, and what you know, what area of the map? Or maybe you need planks for for the windows. It's not just going to be you know up on the roof every time. Sometimes it's in the parking lot and stuff. And those little things make a difference with such a high um, you know adrenaline type paced game. What struck me is that they did some of that in the first payday, and here they're doing that times ten. Like I'm seeing way more crazy variety uh, in terms of. I, 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 the first time I saw a, a mission-critical facet of the actual map layout change, uh, it, it's a door. Like, there's a door where you have to hack through this door. And when I played the mission a second time, it, the door was not there. It was physically another part of the <laughs> building. And that's amazing. Like, at first I thought, wait a minute, I, this map is way more confusing. I thought, wasn't it here? What's going on? And no, it was like cross. It was a whole other place on another floor. Uh, I love that kind of variety. Uh, I love when I'm playing a mission, knowing that this corner here, which means nothing to me right now, could be the most important corner of all time when I'm playing the game later, and they move some piece of the geometry around. Uh, that's really encouraging to see, isn't it? Are you referring to the, the FBI building that we we're playing? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You were with me last night yeah, with those yeah, other guys. The, the first time it was like on the first floor, and you're like, okay, we're all going to kind of conglomerate in that area, and we're all like staring at the wall, and there's nothing right. there. <laughs> and it just that was a really cool moment as I realized, oh, they're, I mean, this the map's the same, but it, it's subtly changed around in ways that are just hugely different. It's going to change the way the whole thing plays out. It's That is a really fantastic feature. And you rarely see that sort of thing in video gaming. I mean, it felt like a magic trick. Like, whoa, the door disappeared. How did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, one thing we saw today is uh, that Rob does not know how to make methamphetamines. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I watch watching Breaking Bad, but it's, I, apparently I need to watch it more. It's not taking You're not paying close enough attention. Uh, McMaster, why don't you explain today what, what happened in our – we did a multi-day mission. Sir, Sir McMaster. <laughs> Yeah, 
feels creepy. Can I just call you Lord <sighs> Master? Because that makes it seem more like a video game oh. and less like a dominate, dominatrix thing. Yeah, I'm okay <laughs> with Lord. <laughs> okay. Lord McMaster, that, that also feels a little weird. Uh, what? Explain what happened today with what should have been a pretty straightforward three-day mission where we make methamphetamines and give them to some gangsters. What, how'd that shake out? Well, uh, I'm probably not the best one to describe it since I joined during the lab fire. Um, <laughs> that's always a good But uh, I think that's probably a pretty concise way to put it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, well, there was a lab fire. But uh, someone can probably put it in a more poetic terms than I. Well, Rob, what happened? So we go into this tiny house. It looked like a, a teensy yes, little map. So, just yeah, so as, as Viceroy McMaster was saying, when you go in to this very uh, interesting house and you kind of look around, you hear the radio and it's saying, like, you need to get hydrogen chloride and, you know, whatever – bath salts or something and i went downstairs and like oh hey i just there's a canister i need so i walk upstairs and the room's kind of smoky i'm like okay whatever it's you know the house is all messed up who cares and i'm just like doing the usual thing walking down the little you know because they have a, a little lab table set up with all these little things you can interact with i'm just walking down pushing the f key over and over again it's like when is it gonna actually go come on and uh next thing i notice the fog's getting a little bit more intense and a little bit more intense and the room's all green and um yeah, and our good. mission objective changed at that point to well, screw it. Why don't you guys just leave? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was kind of the house. It's sort of like I was expecting. Well, wait, I was expecting waves of cops, and then we have to package the methamphetamines, and we have to ferry the bags, which are heavy. But no, we pressed a wrong button or whatever, and the mission was over. And it basically just told us, okay, get get back to the van. You guys have screwed this one up. <laughs> uh, now this is just the first of three days. So what happens next, Rob? Well, what I couldn't believe though is in between the next missions is. We blow up the house. We utterly fail this thing. We basically just show up, shoot a bunch of gangsters, and blow up a house, and then they pay us a ton of money for it. So I'm not sure why. Um, but then, there's what, no yeah. There, when we get sent on a mission, there are no refunds. We still demand our pay. Yeah. 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 Well, no matter how terrible we are, and then our, our next. Uh, I don't believe this was the great scenario that we had. I think our next step of our, our great heist was when we showed up at. Um, an apartment complex to trade the meth that we didn't make right. uh, for some important information. Right. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, we end up going to these. The, the goal says, as we were very diligent in checking, it says to look around in the apartment buildings for the important information. So we diligently jump in the first door, and of course, before doing anything, um, uh, Lord McMaster ends up pulling out a gun and shooting people. Uh, so then no, 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 no. I punched someone to death. There oh. is a distinct difference. All I know is it's always uh, you, you, President McMaster is always in the front. There's always exclamation marks, and the stealth part is over. <laughs> oh no, no. Tom's pretty good at that too. I don't want to take all the glory. I have no idea what McMaster is talking about. So, <laughs> so we. By the way, McMaster, my class ghost. Just so you know, ghost. Yeah. Nobody yeah, sees me. I never alarm them. They don't even. They don't even see me, McMaster. White shadow chick. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> All right. So McMaster decides to go aggro on the the gangbangers who were supposed to just give some meth to, and yeah. then what? 
uh, then we decide, because we duck into the first doorway we see, we go up the first set of staircase, there's all these closed doors, we find a room with a safe, we're like, hey, this is what we need to do, we lock ourselves down, we point at windows and staircases, we have this massive firefight, restarting of drills, and McMaster takes a nap like 25 times, and then finally we pop open the safe to find a birth certificate. And then, and not even one we could pick up, by the way. No, we couldn't interact with it. We could just look at it and see that it's a birth certificate. Couldn't even tell who it was for, but it was just a birth certificate. And then we're all huddled into this dive apartment until the cops overrun us. Because the, the 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 uh, objective at that point is still find the information in the apartment. No, 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 find it in the apartments. Oh, please. So, who, so who can quibble with grammar at that point? I'm busy shooting cops. That was our problem. We were quibbling, not quibbling with grammar, <laughs> shooting cops. We're taking dirt naps. And uh, then we, we go outside to this wide open area and just get annihilated by cops. That's when we decided to restart it again. And then we noticed, oh, there's more than one door. Oh, it does say apartments. Multiple buildings, right. <laughs> so we start doing what we should have done, which is kind of scan through different areas. And we find different walkways and... And then we finally find a couple of different safes, and we end up drilling multiple ones and covering different hallways and everything. Um, yeah, there's still and, some. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, and the moral of this story too is basically don't follow uh, uh, his his right honorable McMaster into the first building he walks into to punch someone. I came I came third into that building. But you guys were standing there like, oh, their lips aren't moving. Oh, what are these guys saying? And I walked out and just punched one to death. <laughs> And then the game started. There was no more confusion what the hell was going on at that point. (laughs) That's true. There was some talk about the the lack of animation. (laughs) uh, And that's pretty amazing to me that I presume we could have gone in there with methamphetamines if Rob had known how to make them and just given them to these dudes. They give us the information, and I'm guessing that mission would have been over. Uh, Because what happened then is on our successive days – we still had other full missions. Like, we could have completely avoided that firefight and, and the McMaster drill uh, power hour and all of that stuff and just gotten the information if we had the meth with us. Um, so we played that. We finally uh, got the information. And then what? Uh, then I believe we were being chased by cops. So it starts with a black screen and you hear all the radio chatter and, and, and uh, our, our vice admiral... McMaster was driving again, and oh, we end God. up in another car crash. And so we're oh, dumped nice out. work, McMaster. Ugh. Yeah, it's just, oh. it's, we're dumped out on the street. There's all these cars, and then it, it did kind of have this heat type moment. Is there's there's cops coming from both directions, and we're supposed to hold out. We're just kind of huddled in with all these different cars and pointing in pretty much every direction. And uh, you know, eventually we kind of shoot our way in the right way. A helicopter shows up, and then end mission and whatever. And then we realize that wasn't even one of our day missions. That was just some weird thing that happened because there was three days worth of missions, but then that was some weird segue mission or something. It's, oh that's yeah, what happens. no, no. That's what Tell happens. Them what you... happened next, Tom? Well, that well, real quick, we did that mission because we gave McMaster McMaster the keys. When no, you no, give no. McMaster the keys to the getaway vehicle. That's what'll happen. Uh, actually, now, what did happen? Tell and then, them what happened next. You tell <laughs> them about what happened. Okay. So then, after that, I think we got our, our loot, right? And we finished the mission. No, 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 no. no, no. We, we were dropped <laughs> off on the freeway because 
we had to to clean up for his royal meth lord. Oh right, right, right. The next mission, right? I got a bunch of money out of a bus that got us paid. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. This is a bus. We have to get there, and we've all done this. There's a mission in the original Payday where you work your way along. A, it's a bridge actually, and you go to these locked vans and you unlock them. And in in that case, there's a Chinese prisoner in one of them. In this case, it's the same kind of mission. You're going down. I don't know if it's a bridge or freeway, but you're just going down the street and you get to the bus and there's money on the bus. So I opened up one of the cases. You know, you shoot your way down there. Open up a case and there's money there. Press F to take the money. Awesome. When I see money, I want to do that. I'm pressing F. I've got it, you know, it's right over there. I'm used to just banging on it. I even have a skill that means when I take money, I get more of it. Um, Then underneath the money, oh, it looks like C4. I'm going to grab this C4 and then keep shooting people. So apparently it's not C4. It's like a rigged explosive. And I didn't read what F does. So I can't tell you what the text said, but I can tell you what the end result was. Uh, <laughs> pressing team. Yeah, I'll pressing just the F it from my viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm let's cut outside now to McMaster's view from yeah, the outside. I'm us. way back a good a good ways of fighting people off. Well, plus there might and, be things back uh, there that need to be drilled too. Oh, I mean, obviously. Well, he's got the um, coffee like, cart too. Like right, your right. mom. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, that's where we are. <laughs> who was that, McMaster? Who was that directed at? So I can let that person's mother know that you're slamming her on the quarter to three games podcast. So um, yours, I guess. We'll go All with right, All right, mom. Go kick McMaster's yeah. ass now. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Miss. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so like I'm a good ways away and. Um, all I know is it's dark out, and there's cops everywhere I'm shooting, and then it lights up. It's really bright. Like, everything got really bright. And I turn around, and the bus is really bright and on fire. And then it flashes again, and I'm blinded for, like, a moment. Like, literally, my character is, like, five seconds of just white screen while I'm rushing and fumbling forward. And uh, when I finally get out of it, uh, I'm next to a burning bus, and uh, Tom is laying inside of it burning as well. I am dead at that point, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it was apparently rigged to explode. Uh, We weren't warned of that. I feel that that was a failure. (laughs) It was an intel failure. No. It's kind of like, you know what, it's no different. No, it's no different than invading Iraq. Sometimes you just get bad intel when you're doing the right thing. No. (laughs) Yeah, that does seem right. So if I recall, as a footnote here, when we were looking for the apartments, and I had said something effect, oh, look, if you hit the tab key, it tells you what we need to do. We need to look through the apartments. I believe Tom's phrase was something like, oh, who needs to, like, get the fluff of these missions, Rob? Right, all that is just flavor text. So (laughs) meanwhile, as I'm also in the bus with Tom, I'm F, opens, oh, hey, look, there's some money, click F. I open it up, and it looks like there's a bomb there. I'm listening to the audio over, which apparently is you know gibberish for those people that aren't interested fluff or whatever flavor it's saying text. yeah it flavor text it says something like don't blow up the bus yet we're and i'm like okay just start moving for the door so i'm about halfway to the door when the thing blows up and there's fire everywhere and it's taking massive damage <laughs> yeah, you know rob i don't know about you but when i play a game and i see c4 i think that's for me to pick up and use. I just sort of feel that way. I've been conditioned through years of video games to when I see something on the floor that I can pick up, that's for me to pick up and use. I wasn't ever conditioned in my years of training to worry about stuff blowing up when I picked it up. So 
I just feel like uh, Overkill kind of uh, they, they tricked me. They pulled the rug out from under me. Not my fault. I couldn't help it. So, oh, it's your fault. If only we had a meth lab scenario that had like shown us that we should be careful with just randomly pushing F buttons. <laughs> but I do say, I don't, I'm sure you guys feel, I mean, that just makes me so excited to experience the other missions. Like, the last thing I want is someone telling me about these things. Rob, you and I played, and I'm sure a lot of folks listening uh, have also played with real experienced players who were in the beta. And when we played with some of those folks, Rob, they were basically telling us, okay, now here's what's going to happen. Let's do this. Uh, I remember playing with these guys who there's a bunch of bags that you want to carry. I think there was cocaine in them. And there's more than there are players. So the idea is you all carry them and maybe you make a dash to where you're supposed to take them when the car or helicopter or whatever arrives. But these guys were picking them up and doing this kind of chain thing of picking up a bag and throwing it, picking up another one and throwing it. And they were moving. It's almost like the way a caterpillar walks or something. They were moving these eight bags of goods, just the two of them. Rob and I were just kind of standing around wondering what they were doing and shooting things. We finally helped. But they were chain throwing these bags to some random spot on the map that I was like, why is it going over here? Because they knew a boat or whatever was going to show up at that point to pick it up. Um, so while that can be very lucrative, and good Lord, we made a lot of money on that mission, uh, I infinitely prefer just discovering these things by blowing myself up in a bus if that's what it's, if, if that's what's going to happen. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, so I think another game that we, you and I were playing last night was the mission where you're sitting in a meat truck, and it just kind of starts up, and you're sitting <laughs> in the meat truck, and you're staring at this door, and you can hear the audio of the cops outside saying, you know, put down your guns, we're going to take, you know, all this sort of stuff. And you, you kind of get the sense, like, you know, as I, I turned and looked at you, and I'm, I happen to be the one standing in the front of the door. It's like, I feel like this is D-Day, and it's not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and sure enough, finally the door opens, and we dive out onto the street. And it's a big firefight. We're pointing in every direction, and I really had a great time with that. I, I would say that was probably one of my more enjoyable experiences when we were playing that mission. Yeah. And then, of course, we failed it, and we you know, got some stuff wrong, and then some other players joined us for our second round, and you're right, they kind of, there's definitely a right way to play it. They quickly, like, grabbed some bags and jumped over to this certain little walkway, did a little caterpillar toss thing, and then it was it played out completely different, and it wasn't, I, I really am glad I got to experience that that you know that D-Day anticipation and then like doing it wrong and standing in the wrong place and having the wrong firefight it yeah. was really enjoyable that way. Yeah. Uh, Josh, as someone who's done a lot of the gunplay in Left for, for Dead, for instance, what do you, what do you think of the gunplay here? How is that working for you? I think it's pretty good so far. I like how each gun has its own like. There's a lot more stat variables with the guns this time around, especially compared to Left 4 Dead. It's more along the lines of something like Call of Duty, where you have all these different guns, and then you can mod them, which is pretty cool. The only thing that I noticed was I was having cases where I was shooting someone, and it wasn't registering. I noticed this with a lot of the heavier armor guys. I was just emptying my whole gun in them, and nothing was happening to them. Was it like an armor penetration issue, you think? I don't know, really. These are like these guys who look like they're wearing like football uniforms and they're just like running around killing us, which happened with uh, Jason and Rob and I before we got on the cast. We did a bank mission. It just went horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. well oh. Those guys. It did go pretty wrong. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the mission ratchets up over time. It like starts off with mm-hmm. just basic beat cops, no armor or whatever, and then you got, you know, kind of the SWAT looking guys, and then, and then you get to these like these, these monstrous football padded 
guys in, in armor, and it looks like, it, depending on the oh. setting, is how many different spawns of those are going to show up. But in that mission, it was just it was ridiculous. We were just knee deep in these super armored guys, and it's just nothing you can do. And uh, yeah. COO McMaster was uh, in there turning the <laughs> drill on and making some coffee for us. <laughs> Uh, everybody plays down the importance of the drill, but one of these days. Uh, one of my favorite moments from last night was we were trying to do a mission stealthily. So I told everyone, okay, you guys just wait here. I'm going to sneak over there. You stay there. So I'm sneaking there, and I go, okay, there's a guy. Let me turn around. So I turned my guy around. Everyone was just, like, staying right behind me, like one of those old Scooby-Doo uh, cartoons. <laughs> we're all just, like, all lined up in a row. I like, uh, guys, you were supposed to wait back there. We're not and the then, quickest. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're more of a mind to just just follow the prodigy. <laughs> uh, as a stealth game, though, I can imagine the potential for how cool it must be to do some of the missions without without everything going south. Because uh, right now, that's kind of the pattern, is eventually it's going to become a huge firefight. But I can imagine as you figure out some of the missions, as you get higher on the ghost skill tree, which I'm working on, uh, it seems like there's a lot of cool options for ways to just stealthily get in and out and maybe get unique benefits from that. Uh, you know, getting more money than you might normally. Uh, it just seems like there's so much interactable, so much more interactable stuff on the map than there was in the last payday, um, including yeah. some things that I don't know what they do. By the way, I uh, you know, like speaking of the last payday and the stealth stuff, uh, you know, that's one thing they did really well, and I, I'm hoping it's going to be just as cool in this one because, like, I remember the uh, the one where you have to go to the pool party or whatever it is and the the barbecue. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah with the safe that, house or yeah, the yeah. safe room. Very good. Yeah, it's really great, and you have to, you know, basically manage all the people and everything, make sure nobody gets out, and you can do it stealthily that way. It's pretty cool. Well, definitely one of the things I noticed on the ghost skill tree is there's a, there are whole skills for making people less suspicious. You know, when you get near someone, there's the blue question mark, and a bar fills up as they get suspicious, so you can move away. So the ghost can minimize that. And I also have a way that I just unlocked to be able to kill people so that they don't Sounds gruesome. So they don't cry out as they're dying. Um, huh. So I'm, I'm imagining. Cool, huh? Well, actually, I had when you were telling it to me, Master. I realized it sounded familiar because I had actually bought it previously. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and also, of course, you guys. I'm sure you can thank me. Uh, you haven't thanked me enough, but I've got ECM jammers. So just so you know, I don't know what they do, but I'm using them, and I'm sure they're helping us in case. Maybe you know. Maybe there's like a drone overhead that has like radar or something. My ECM jammers are saving you guys' butts from probably a lot of stuff you don't even know about. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I, I don't know why I didn't thank you earlier, but uh, but thank you. You're very uh, welcome. You're you're very welcome, Rear Master McMaster. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Um, obviously, we I think we seem to all like the game as much, but it does seem like the stealth elements of this game, on the one hand, are, are very well developed and very pronounced, and they seem to have some indicators, but it also feels like, you know, if I had to pick some things that kind of bug me, obviously the, the, the lobby, if you want to even call it a lobby system, is just kind of really wonky, but also the stealth mechanics don't seem very welcoming to a new player. It seems really confusing oh, yeah. to try to understand what's going on and what you should do, and it seems like there's there's a lot, the game's a lot deeper in that direction, but there's really no indicator of, of what to do. 
Uh, it looks to me, Rob, like the stealth is more of a, for lack of a better word, endgame content. Like when you and I did that FBI, go to the FBI headquarters mission with those two guys last night who really knew what they were doing, it seemed like... And one of the guys who was using the voice chat, who I appreciated, I rarely appreciate that, but I liked that this guy was talking to us. He was saying, this is a stealth mission. Does anybody have a silencer? No? Great. Uh, but it seemed like that was clearly a mission that would have played out very differently if you did do that in-game stealthy stuff, which would involve a silencer and maybe having a ghost lead the way who knows what he's doing. But you're right. It's definitely not something that you're going to experience when you first start playing. Uh yeah, and the, the only thing explained to like people that there's between putting on your mask and leaving it off at the beginning yeah. of the mission. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you guys think of being able to customize masks? Who cares about that? Here's my favorite quote from uh, from uh, Sire McMaster today. At least I didn't break my legs wearing a monkey mask. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great moment. <laughs> I, forgot I think that was that. Our, our what was that our first failed apartment? Um, yeah, that was the apartment when you guys all died, and I decided to go back upstairs where that empty safe was to see if maybe I could pick up that birth certificate. I couldn't, so the cops were coming up the stairs. So I'm like, oh, I'll go out the window. That works for me. And uh, there are definitely lethal falling distances in uh, payday two. It turns <laughs> it, it turns out that jumping out of a third story window. <laughs> is going to hurt. I've been playing a lot of Saints Row 4 lately. I'm not conditioned to worry about jumping out of a third-story window. I blame Volition. It's their fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But I, I did it with a monkey mask. I feel that if you're going to do something really stupid and embarrass yourself like that, it's better to wear a goofy mask. I One of the first things I unlocked, we'll talk about this in a minute, is a monkey mask. Uh, and because I unlocked it, it was a random loot drop. You sure as heck bet I'm going to wear it. So I've been wearing a monkey mask. I could, if I could ever figure out the interface, paint it purple and become the grape ape. Uh, I haven't figured out the painting yet, but that looks like an actual money sink loot drop thing. Is hey, what kind of mask do you want to wear? Um, what do you guys think of that stuff so far? Uh, it, seems, it seems kind of nifty. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a when you jump in with random players and you see some masks you haven't seen before, it's kind of a cool... You know, sort of like when you jump into an MMO and somebody's got some crazy outfit, you're like, ooh, how did they do right. that? Um, uh, but again, their interface seems weird because we were trying to tinker around with it. And it's like, okay, I've got a color, I've got a pattern, how come I can't change my mask? And I think we finally just kind of gave up after a while. I'm pretty like, sure it's a matter of you need money. Like, it's definitely uh, a money uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I've yeah. certainly changed a few of mine. I mean, you just have to go through, like, a bunch of checklists before yeah. it'll let you actually change it. Yeah. And it... it Go ahead, Josh. <clears throat> One other confusing thing is when you're trying to preview the mask, when you're selecting materials, pattern, all that, it doesn't actually change what the mask looks like until you've selected all three. So it can sometimes be confused how, you know, what exactly is this going to look like when I switch, you know, hearts to um, a, you know, flag on your mask or something like that. And to be fair, it does show red text, like when you still need to do something. I mean, it, it's not that intuitive it's not explained very well but they did make some effort to highlight hey you still need to do this um uh what about then the whole system of weapon upgrades the loot drop stuff uh who wants to actually someone described that for me how do i get a better grip for my shotgun um playing three card monty yeah Mm -hmm. explain lost planet two oh it is lost planety yeah, yeah, that's why Tom likes it. Um, no, it's uh, 
Yeah, it, it lays down three cards in front of you, three playing cards, and you click on one, it flips the other two over, and then a few seconds later, it flips the card you picked over, and it has one of many bonuses on it, like different masks or different colors for your masks or gun upgrades or extra money or whatever. And uh, one of the things I like about it as well is that when you're playing with a team, you can laugh when McMaster only gets like the a, a bright red and gray color, and the rest of us all get awesome weapon mods and money and cool gorilla masks. I Usually I, I just get weapon mods. I think I got candy hearts last night, and you guys all laughed at me with that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, is- yeah, you got the Saints Row pattern. No, that and was I got Tom. I got hearts and um, candy stuff on my mask. <laughs> yeah, I got the double purple. That's why I want to be a grape ape. That's why I want to make my ape ma- my monkey mask purple. Uh, yeah. Um, go ahead, Rob. I was just to say, it seems like I always get money, which is kind of like the goat prize on that. And then yeah. it's really annoying that it shows you the other two options. It's like, oh, I could have had a gun or I could have had a mask. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now you don't get a full gun. I'm pretty sure. Well, yes, yeah, sorry, do- a mod. Right, so so how do you get guns, Rob? Well, you get guns by leveling up your character, gives you options to buy guns, and then you buy the guns once you have the level with money. But you can change the guns with the random loot drops, which might be, say, a stock or a barrel extension or a different type of sight or that sort of thing. So, Rob, let's say, for instance, hey, you're Tom Chick, and there's that, that first shotgun that you unlock, and you like the shotguns in Payday 2, so you're like, awesome, I'm going to buy that shot. Oh, I don't have enough money. Okay, I'm going to grind a few of these missions. Okay, not quite enough. Another mission. Ah, still 10,000 short. Do another mission. Oh, McMaster failed me again. I don't get any money. Okay, now I did another mission. I've got enough for the shotgun. Here I go. I've bought an awesome shotgun. Now I'm going to buy some upgrades for it. I'm out of luck, aren't I? Yeah, I'll, I'll imagine what it would be like, because that would be me. Uh, I also saved up for a nice rifle, an assault rifle. Mm-hmm. I liked it. And as soon as I got it, I'm like, oh, I'm utterly at the mercy of the three-card Monty thing as far as when I can upgrade it. So I either take the gun that I don't like as much with all the extra stuff, but I already you know, I already have a scope for it, an extra magazine and stuff, or I get to play with this one that's got you know nothing until you know the, the card gods... Uh, Bless me with some modification. You can't really speed it up or change it, which is a little uh, difficult. I yeah, hated not... it until one of you guys said, "Oh, it's like Lost Planet." I've now decided that I love it. Uh, <laughs> go, go ahead, Josh. You're, you're, you're going to say you're not sold. What were you going to say? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it either for the same reason. Now, one thing I did find was that some mods are transferable between the different weapons, but they make it so you have to go into the weapon. And then unequip it before it'll show back on your inventory. There's no like quick way to deselect mods from weapons. And the other thing that I was just wondering is about when we were playing last night, I unlocked a super rare or infamous paint scheme. I was wondering if there are like super rare gun mods out there, you know, like a scope that's, you know, super silency or does adds extra damage, because I haven't seen anything like that. I was wondering if that's what they're saving like the end game loot for. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong about this, Josh, but the impression I get from looking at the weapons and sort of coveting, oh, I really want that gun, uh, is that when you look at a gun, you can look at all of the available mods. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that none of them are, I mean, there are certainly differences among them, but I'm pretty sure you can see everything you can eventually find for each weapon. Uh, I haven't looked too deeply in that list, uh, so I don't know if some of them are like 
purples, for instance, in World of Warcraft. Um, but you know, considering it's a drop system, that that makes sense. Um, is that you're at the mercy of the random number generator in terms of what cool loot you get. And I, I the only reason I'm using the AK-47 is because I found something called a fire breather, and it's a mod for an AK-47. I don't care what it does. I got something called a fire breather, and it was fairly far down the list of mods, so I'm assuming it was rarish. All it does is it adds a little damage and a lot of noise. Uh, and because I found that, well, heck, I want to use it. I'm going to use an AK-47. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I guess one of the things I do like about being at the mercy of that system is it does encourage variety you might not otherwise avail yourself of. Um, like you normally just use the best weapon. And like you said, Josh, before, I do get the sense that the statistics, uh, the stats for each weapon give them more personality or differentiate them better. Um, so we'll see how that holds up over the long term. Uh, who is going to uh, start springing for the assets when we do missions? Whoever is the host of the mission. Uh, okay, I'm not hosting anymore. You guys all owe me. Josh, you don't owe me because you weren't here at this game today. Uh, uh, Lord McMaster and uh, Rob, you guys owe me a couple thousand dollars each because I bought the ace pilot in that in one of those missions. Now, I'm still a little unclear on that. I mean, do we know for sure that all... I mean, we know the host has to select it, but does the host then take from the pool, or it, maybe it comes out at the end, it locks up in the end cash? I would, I would think he should. I think what they're worried about is maybe the host deciding to spend other people's money, maybe? But it just seems weird that... I love the idea that you can pay money up front to get assets, like an additional doctor's bag, or our ace pilot, I'm assuming he arrived earlier. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm and, thinking it did, yeah. Yeah, and in the one mission, Rob, we did last night, the guy bought an... I guess you could buy an armored escape car, which I was like, why would you want that? But then when we were doing the mission, the escape car got blown up by the cops, so we had to wait for a <laughs> helicopter. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that it plays pretty heartily into some of the cool scripting stuff they do but the fact that i'm finding money kind of hard to come by i really want all the money i get because i'm at the point now where i can't afford a skill as soon as it's unlocked there's a bunch of weapons i want to play with that i can't afford i'd love to mess around with my mask but i don't want to pay the money for it uh i think for instance this the super color that i unlocked for my monkey mask costs a freaking quarter of a million dollars i don't have that uh so I kind of hate the idea that the host is supposed to pay the money up front and there's and not get any sort of compensation for it. Uh, well, and I hope I'm, I'm just not reading it right. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, that's what I was I was getting at is, I mean, we're, since you're the one selecting, I can't see it. I mean, is there a way? Do you see it take from your money at the yes. beginning? Yes. Oh, I, I made sure to check too. <laughs> I wonder if the I wonder if the end screen because it's got a lot of variables that I don't see. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it changes the end cash. You know, you know, essentially gives you that money back. I don't know how. You know, from the, the cut, I don't... Because you're right. I mean, if that's the way it is, essentially the host is, is the one who's always ponying up, you know, the money to to help everybody out, I guess. Yeah, the mastermind tree has one of the skills that I think lowers the cost of assets. So I guess that ah. sort of feeds in having the mastermind be the host of each game. So, Rob, you're going to need to get on that. Well, I can also ace that skill, and it, and it lowers everybody's uh, asset costs. Uh-huh. Wait, so even a mastermind who's not the host, like a mastermind skill doesn't help unless he's the host? Ugh, pff, whatever. Well, if it's aced, it helps everybody. Yeah, if it's aced, it right, helps right. everybody. But I, I, like I said, I still don't understand the assets, so I didn't really invest in that one. So. Right, right. 
Uh, all right, what levels are we? Let's go around the table. Master, you're level two, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is is there a level cap? Do we know? Three. I thought it was a hundred. <laughs> yeah, the oh. achievement list shows at a hundred, but they may, of course, uh, raise it up as time goes on. Wait a minute. I don't think I've been getting achievements. There are achievements in this? Yeah, I got a ton of them. What? You kind of suck, though, so I mean, I think that might have been part of it. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm... What did you get achievements for? Here, I'll tell you if you uh, let me do that in a second. Look Next over there. You tell me there are Steam cards in there. I think oh. There are two, actually. There are. There, uh, there are. They are coming. I think there's an announcement at the bottom saying click yeah, for preview Steam cards. Yeah. So have you turned or you you onto Steam cards now? No, good lord, no. I, what I like about Steam cards is I'm going to get them and not give them to any of my friends. I will not trade. What? Yeah, that's right. Go ahead, look at my inventory, Master. Master, let me know if there's anything in there that you want because you can't have it. Oh, I'm not giving you anything ever again. <laughs> Let's see, okay, achievements I have: tip the scales uh, in the safe house, find the hidden basement. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, how do you like me now? With uh, an armor for the first time. Would you like your receipt? Buy a weapon for the first time. Yeah, I don't think I've gotten any of those. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to call Gabe Newell and find out what's going on with that. Do that. I'm gonna look at your profile. and I'll tell you exactly what achievements you have. I right. have eleven achievements. Oh, okay. Never mind then. He all can't be bothered with right. any, with any text or any sort of uh, thing that's going on that doesn't involve pushing the F key and possibly blowing things up. Right. I thought I thought those little boxes were just flavor text. I was ignoring them. Oh uh, yeah, you got this cool achievement called F in chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> on day one of the rat job, blow up the lab. Now I don't have that because I wasn't there. I guess uh, initially. So what you're saying, McMaster, is I have more achievements in Payday 2 than you do? Awesome. Uh, by one, <laughs> a.k.a. F in chemistry. <laughs> Such an achievement. <laughs> uh, all right, so Payday 2, uh, any last thoughts? What, uh, what, what are y'all's outlooks for this in terms of what kind of legs it has? Well, if they keep adding content, it could... I mean, look at Left 4 Dead 2. It's, uh, it's been going on forever. Yeah, really... If they kind of follow what they did with the first one and add some missions or like an extra class or something, then I can see that gaining some some time. Because it's certainly a very interesting hordes mode type game. Mm-hmm. Um, I just worry. I mean, when you say legs, if you mean like the industry in general or the you know the popular opinion in general, I kind of worry it because of some of the things like the stealth mode and and, and the repetition maybe of always playing it in the shootout or. Um, the interface for finding games, I, I, I think it could really turn away a bunch of people after, you know, the, the super cool that just got released and jump into fall time. Mm-hmm. Goes on. Well, I mean, luckily, you know, uh, these games are easy to patch since they're computer games. Well, uh, is this on the PlayStation as well? It's not, is it? It will be, yeah. yeah. I don't know that it's available yet, but it's definitely a PlayStation title. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, but they have time. So if they add a menu, they can add it into the PlayStation version, etc. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it'll be fine in the long run. Josh, how do you feel about it? So go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking at what they did with the first payday. I think the thing that I really appreciate was that they definitely skewed more towards um, expert players with the first game. They kept adding in more AI tactics. Uh, one of the things they had was, like, the cloakers, like those um, splitter cell type guys that could like jump off of walls, so, like avoid oh, yeah. bullets. I yeah. haven't seen any of those yet, which is fine by me. 
Yeah, um, I actually was reading before we started was that they actually took cloakers out for right now because they haven't found a way to properly integrate them to the game yet. But they said they're going to eventually add cloakers in, so that's going to be fun. And I just want to see, I guess, more of a higher end, like, what is their end game going to be? Are they going to have, like, a new difficulty level? Or are they going to have, you know, loot or mods can only be acquired if you play on overkill? Stuff like that. But hopefully they keep adding to it. I think this is a much stable foundation for that compared to the first payday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my overall takeaway, Rob, I understand your reservations about the browser stuff, but I think that that is... And I could be wrong. I'd love to be wrong because I'd love for them to change it. But I think that's kind of a power user complaint. I, I wonder if the average person, uh, and we're not hardcore by any stretch of the imagination, but I think we're more used to shooters. Uh, I, I think the average person isn't going to mind so much just having those dots and thinking, oh, I want to go to the jewelry store and just clicking. Um, so I don't know that that's as big a turnoff a lot of people as it is for us. Um, and besides, I've heard a lot of complaints about that, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did change that. Um, but more to the point, as far as its long-term prospects, uh, I, I think it's got the, the grind in this and the loot chase and the skill tree uh, is, I find, hugely addicting, very effective uh, for me personally and as a game design. Uh, and I think that's a big part of the game's appeal. But, but most importantly... I don't think there's anything quite like this game. I mean, Left 4 Dead has its own kind of vibe with moving through the map, getting from point A to point B, the whole vibe of being swarmed by the zombies and the special zombies, uh, intensely cooperative, of course. But there's nothing quite like get four dudes together and do a heist like this. Uh, Kane and Lynch 2 had some really cool multiplayer options, but that community just died on the vine real quickly. Um, so I think if you want a really cool heist shootout high adrenaline gunfire experience uh there's nothing that that competes with payday 2 uh it's unique to me in that regard it so. definitely and it's kind of funny that when the payday 1 was first announced i know a lot of people just dismiss it as you know they're just copying left yeah. for dead who wants to play that game yeah. and they just really went and took and did something completely original with it yeah yeah so yeah, in the comparison with Left 4 Dead, I remember early on all this, all this really talk about the AI director and how it was going to make every play different. And not to talk that down, I mean that was cool and is a cool feature. But some of the stuff we were talking about with the Payday 2 and the way they they completely move objectives on the map and and make it so you have to look for certain things, you know, a key card or a certain person in completely different places. It makes it forces the game to be much more uh, active and fresh. I'd say on each run through. Yeah. I will bet you dollars to donuts at whatever secret lab up there in Washington they're working on Left 4 Dead 3, they're looking closely at Payday 2. I certainly hope so. Uh, All right, so uh, Payday 2, we uh, are all thoroughly enjoying it. I think I speak for all of us when I say we definitely recommend it. Um, And look for us online. We'd we'd love for you to join us. Now let's briefly talk some uh, games of the week that aren't Payday. So I'm pretty sure... All four of us would maybe pick Payday as our game of the week. If that's off the table, what do you then pick instead? Uh, so, Rob, why don't we start with you? Because I think you are going to cheat and pick two things. <laughs> I'm going to cheat a lot. <laughs> so, um, I guess I want to briefly touch on um, 
uh, Dragon's Crown, which I I believe Josh uh, said was not his game. Yeah, not his game of the week. Oh yeah. That. So I just want to mention very briefly. It, it is an interesting game. I like it. It's a good side scroller beat 'em up. But the thing that really catches my attention with the possible promise is looking at its cross save mechanic and how the PlayStation 3 interacts with the Vita and how you can move your game file over. It's very much like Monster Hunter was, and it excites me to see how this might play into some of the promises or the talk-up about what PlayStation 4 and Vita might do. And unfortunately, it costs $90 if you want to take advantage of it because you have to buy separately a copy of the game for the Vita and the PS3. That is true. I wish it was a cross-buy. Uh, with Monster Hunter, it didn't bother me so much because it was such a long-winded game, and I really wanted the, the portability, whereas here with Dragon's Crown, it's, I think doesn't have quite the same reason to play it all the time. Uh, so I didn't opt in for it, but I thought it was interesting because it gives you know some non-Nintendo players a chance to kind of look at this idea. And I'm, i got to say, I'm not sure Dragon's Crown is working for me because it really does feel like a just a side-scroller beat-em-up like Final Fight or one of those kind of things. Uh, what am I missing? No, I mean, that's that's about right. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of, it's a nice um, presentation. Oh, yeah. Whatever. I mean, I'm, really the main thing that I take away is... is this makes me wonder what's going to happen with the Vita in the future, because people still talk about Vita as a dead system, and I think a lot of us agree that, that it, it's actually been a very enjoyable system, and Promise is still out there. Um, Master, you haven't sold yours yet, have you? No, I still have, of course. All right, good. No, Don't let go of that. But just briefly touching on that, not to necessarily talk about any sort of news and not really a game that's out there right now, um, but um, War Machine Tactics, it just closed out a Kickstarter, and I'm very, very excited to see what happens with that. Yeah, I backed it. Yeah, I'm, I really haven't been in the Kickstarter thing, but you know, I really like War Machine. I really like what it did with the miniature market, and I really enjoyed it when my life was built in a way that I could enjoy it. So the idea of moving that into a video game is is very appealing to me. So Wait, what? Very- First of all, hold on. These did you talk about like those lead figure things that people paint when they play D and D in Warhammer? Yeah, so essentially it is, It is a. in fact, it is probably second, tied for second. I mean, if you walk into a store that sells those kinds of games and you see people at a table playing it, it's either uh, one of the Warhammer versions, either the sci-fi or the fantasy version, or it's probably War Machine slash Horse. Dude, dude, come on, how famous can it be if I've never even heard of it? <clears throat> it's pretty, pretty famous. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty big, and it did a lot of things because the Warhammer games, I think, are uh, they're more of an economic model, and they're okay. You know, when when someone says to me "War Machine," I think there's a song. Uh, I think on is it Bush's third album? There's a Bush song called "War Machine." That's not what everyone else thinks of when somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, Rob, how about War Machine?" You don't think of that Bush song? No, I, I think of man. I wish I still had time to play that. <laughs> <laughs> that steampunk magic-y kind of thing with big, giant robots. and Josh and McMaster, you guys have both heard of this War Machine thing? No, yeah. not me. I ah, see? That. Yep, me and Josh are too cool for you guys' little nerdy <laughs> uh, doll action figure things that you paint. Yeah. Well, so Okay, so what's War Machine Tactics? It's, it's a, a tabletop miniatures game translated to a video game? Yeah, so they're doing something where they're going to move it to a video game. It looks like it's not a direct translation, like we've seen a lot of stuff go on iOS, which is kind of interesting to me, because I think a War Machine first came out, and then it had hordes, and then they changed it to War Machine Mark II. So they've, they've, the rules have grown over time, but I still think it's got some weaknesses where 
um, where it could be improved. So I'm interested to see how it's going to play out in a video game format. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it'll have versus play. But one of the stretch goals that hit was it's going to have a versus AI play for cooperative with with some sort of wave type mode. So essentially- well, I would hope so. Why would it not have that? <laughs> What's going on over there? Yeah, well, because actually a lot of games they seem to hold back from the. It's, they're all co-op, uh, not, they're not cooperative. They tend to be very competitive environments when they get translated. You know, is this an RTS or a turn-based game? Well, they're going to have a campaign, but but when you go and see it, like in the store, the original version, it's you know two people plop down and they play a game. Sort no, of no, like. I mean the the video game translation. Are they doing the, is it as an RTS or are they doing it as a turn-based strategy? I game? believe it is a turn-based strategy game. Okay. So you know you take your turn, and then they, you know, the other person would take theirs with different kinds of moves and terrain and that sort of thing. And McMaster, why did you get on board with this? Um, because I was always a big Warhammer fan, and I like War Machine as well. I like Privateer Press. Yeah. Private, what is Privateer Press even? What is that? They're the company that, that, that makes this game and other games. Ah, okay. Fact, yeah, you've was... probably even seen some of their games. No, Privateer ahead. Press? No, please. I'm way too cool and hip for that sort of thing, McMaster. In fact, um, here's where it might get interesting for you. Uh-huh. Is one of the stretch goals that, or not one of the add-ons? You can essentially choose to to donate a bunch of, or, or not a bunch, but you can choose to shop from different sort of bonuses. And as much as I was really wanting to get the canvas, I couldn't convince myself to to do one of the canvas pictures. But one of the add-ons you can get was some cards for a game that's coming out, which is based on the War Machine universe called War Machine High Command, and that's essentially going to be a deck-building game in the War Machine universe. Uh, so it's yet another for me. It's yet another way to enjoy the universe that I liked, but you know I don't have the time to to, to do the hobby and you know go and play these multi-hour-long games at stores anymore. But it's a it looks like a pretty interesting. The rules are available online. Uh, it's a deck-building game, uh, but it's interesting. I think one of the things you talked about was the DC deck-building game is, uh, or a lot of other deck-building games is you have, the theme gets kind of muddled because everybody can buy anything kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the high command one, everybody has essentially their own library that's going to be just for them. So you would have you know your particular faction, maybe Signar, and you're going to have your certain units that are built on that. That's going to affect your. You still have a deck building mechanic. You know you start with the basic cards, you buy from this, and then you discard, and then you draw a new hand, etc. But it keeps it so that you really have a themed way that you're playing this. But also it's very very conflict-focused game, whereas a lot of deck builder games, it becomes almost like you know you do your thing and then you can kind of go to sleep essentially right. until the other person right. does their thing. Whereas this one's very, it has these locations out on the board, and you're supposed to, as you put units in play, you're going to move them to a location, and every single person's turn is going to involve a conflict at that location. And once somebody ends up winning that location with whatever units are there, that's sort of like, in ascension terms, pulling in. You know, a victory point card that's then going to go to your pile. So it really seems to be a, a great marrying of different deck building ideas. Uh, and I look very much forward to this. And this isn't unlike the War Machine Tactics, which I just have to kind of hopefully find a way to give myself amnesia and forget about it for a year because it's not going to show up till next summer in August. Uh, but the High Command game is, it's just in front of us. It's going to be released another two weeks and then the hordes oh. version of it yeah it's it's like i didn't know about it until i saw this kickstarter and then i'm like oh why didn't i know about this because this is exactly the kind of game i want to play and then hordes is going to be fully compatible same mechanics that comes out i think in october 
Uh, in fact, I think there's some of it is available at Gen Con, and um, I'm hoping uh, hoping to track down one of those copies. But um, all right, well, I'm skeptical, but all right. maybe I'll look at it. Now, if it's a deck building game, if it's turn based strategy, I'm definitely into that. I just I, I think I, I just know absolutely nothing about miniatures, gaming, and culture and stuff, so that's why I don't know what War Machine is. Well, that's kind of the neat thing about it is I I that's kind of gone. There's no way for me to enjoy that kind of stuff. But now that they're taking the IP and experimenting by moving it into different avenues like video games and deck building games, it's like right. oh, now it's back into my my wheelhouse again. And it's why you like Warhammer Quest and why you'll be playing that uh, other one that comes out tomorrow, whatever that's called. Space Hulk. Yes. Space Hulk, right, right. Yep, yes. Exactly, because you know, <laughs> being able to sit down and play a video game is a much easier thing to do than... than right. All right, so those were your two things, that you were going to do a game of the week and then something that's not even out yet to tease us with? Something like that, yes, because if I could, it would be my game of the week, but it can't be, so... Sorry. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, good. Uh, Josh, what have you chosen as your game of the week? If it's not Dragon's Crown... Uh, it's another game from Atlas. It's a Shin Megami Tensei 4, hmm? which it came out about a week or so ago, but it's just such a long RPG that I've been playing it this week as well. It's pretty much the... With uh, the Shimagami Tensai series is weird because they have like main branch games and they have these side story games. So this is what's considered the fourth of the main branch games to be released. The last one I think came out in 03 or 04. So it's pretty much like a very hard turn-based role-playing game. You have characters who, if you hit a guy in his weakness, you get an extra turn during that round. If he hits yours, they get an extra turn. And They've done a lot to make it easier to play. Like when you die now, you can resurrect yourself with money instead of just being sent back to game over. And the whole series has this just really, I guess, crazy charm of you're fighting angels, demons, and at some point the world usually ends in one of these games. And it's very pet, like not pet oriented, but it's kind of Pokemon-y in that you're like collecting the demons and training them and stuff, right? And the fusion mechanic isn't that central to the SMT? Series. Yeah, you can uh, negotiate with demons, have them join you. And with this one, it's a little weird. It feels more random. Like you can't really like tell what they're going to do. Like one time they may say, you know, uh, should I go get something to eat? And you say yes. I'll say, okay, I'm going to attack you now. And then the next time you say yes, they're like, okay, I'll join you immediately. And it's like, what? What just happened? <laughs> That's what and, it's like trying to play Payday Two with McMaster. <laughs> And, like, the whole, like, fusion thing, you can fuse two demons together, and they sort of transfer their skills, so there's, like, this Pokemon aspect to it, as you said. And it just gets really crazy when you get to, like, the higher levels when you're fighting guys who can just wipe you out in, like, one or two hits. And it it's definitely great, but I think I like some of the older titles better. They, they weren't as accessible, but they felt a little bit more refined in their mechanics. Is this uh this so this is is this something that has been out in Japan for a while? Is it one of those that it took yeah. Alice a while to bring it to North America? Yeah, it's been around since I think the nineties. They tried it on the PS one with the Persona for the PlayStation. Oh no, I meant specifically out. SMT four. Like I know the series has been uh, around for a while. Uh yeah, I think it's been out in Japan I think for a while now, it just got released over here. They're also experimenting with DLC with this one so you can buy additional oh. quests. 
uh, costumes for your character, stuff like that. And is it 3DS only? Yes. If, and what they're saying is that I think Atlas's parent company has currently filed for bankrupt, so we're not sure who's going to own Atlas coming forward. The current popular rumor is Sega Sammy made by Atlas, but it's going to be hard to tell because Atlas, I think, is the only profitable branch of their parent company. Mm-hmm. So some people think they may stick with Nintendo because it's just easier to make on the handheld, or they may you know, go back to making like a PlayStation game if they get bought out by someone like that. Uh, and why is this your game of the week and not Dragon's Crown? <laughs> well, Dragon's Crown, I just didn't like the, the loot mechanic in the game. It just felt very bare bones, uh, very just like one key, sort of like what they did with Diablo 3, where the only only like one out of five things that drop would actually be of use to you and the rest is just useless. And it just felt like I could never really get anywhere with a loot system, even though they have it said that you have to keep replaying levels to raise your chance at better loot. Right. So I did that, and I found like some decent stuff, but I never felt like that aha moment that I get from Diablo, or even getting something really cool in Payday. And um, with Shin Megami Tensei 4, it just is like that really good combination of a deeper uh, JRPG compared to like the older Final Fantasy games, or you know, when you just have to put your brain on all pilot during battles. With this, it just you really do have to pay attention because one round can basically wipe out an entire side. That's how uh, difficult it can be. Uh, Josh, when you play on your 3DS, where do you have the 3D slider? I have it set like lower half. I can't. I've never been good at 3D. Like the magic eyes were just like hell for me when I was younger. Ah. <laughs> and with this, I just can't play. I tried saying to like super high ones, and the whole thing just completely like wigged out for me. I started to get a headache from staring at it. Yeah, I, I can think of very few games on the 3DS where I feel like having that slider anywhere, but all the way down. Uh, mm-hmm. That's. Uh, Maybe the Resident Evil game, I think. But otherwise, yeah. So. It definitely seems like it, it really, from game to game, the 3D effect uh, versus the payoff of just not having it there is is very random. And then I also noticed when I switched to an XL that suddenly games that bothered me before bothered me a little less. Mm. So, But, yeah, I'd agree. And generally, generally you leave it off. But yeah, there are I, some. I, I can't wait for this whole 3D thing to blow over already. Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, Josh, uh, no surprise, JRPG, that's right up your wheelhouse. Uh, you know what, Josh, next to co-op shooters, if I was to need someone to help me in a JRPG, you'd, that would be you probably as well. All right, cool. So, <laughs> so be on standby. Um, All right. Uh, McMaster, am I going to go first with my game of the week, or are you? Uh, mine's quick. All right, hit me with it. What? Lee what? Legends, your turn. Oh, Is that really that's that's what you're playing this week to be your game of the week? League of Legends, a free to play <laughs> game. Yes. That nobody's playing because Dota 2 is better. No. That's what I'm to understand from the comments. Uh, to be fair, I, I'm I'm kind of in similar categories, McMaster. I mean, I it would that's really the game I've been playing a lot of this week. But I think it's also because where we're at in this time of year, that's why it's like, well, I'll talk about sort of slide a slide in something that I'm really excited about in the near future because it seems like we're right on the cusp of that point when everything we're about to be hit by an, an avalanche of, of things. So 
Uh, well, speaking of the avalanche of things, I'm just going to go on record right now as saying I freaking love, like six stars love, Saints Row 4. And I did not expect to. I was worried about it because I'd heard, uh, you know, it was a troubled development. It was a THQ game, and they went the way of the Dodo, and there was some issue with who was going to pick up Saints Row 4. And furthermore, when development started, it was just an expansion pack, and it was just DLC. And they decided to spin it out into a full game, and that's always a red flag to me. Holy cats, those guys have just done... Uh, it, it continues to blow my socks off. Like, every time I sit down, there's something that I just go, wow, these guys are geniuses. Uh, so I'm hugely in love with Saints Row 4. Can't wait till we can all talk more about that. But also, Splinter Cell Blacklist is really good. I did not expect that at all. Um, I called it. Why did you call it? Why would you have thought it was going to be good? I, w- I would have thought it would be junk. Yeah, I know, but I was right. You were right. If you th- When did you call it, McBash? I'm going to have to check the record. Did you really <laughs> think Blacklist won't suck? You really thought that? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be in any of the podcasts because we were talking about it separately. But yes, I, I called it. Damn. Uh, all right. Well, you were right. Uh, one of the things I like about it is it's way—it's not an open-world game, but it's very open in terms of what kind of missions you want to do and how you want to build your character. Uh, and in terms of however you play, it's giving you experience points, uh, and you're constantly buying things and upgrading things. Uh, they've just done a really good job of taking those previously mostly linear narrative experiences and turning it into a really f- nice set of sandboxes uh, and if you're going to force me to do that conventional old stealth put it into a sandbox where I can play with it in different ways and at different degrees of, of punishingness like there are some ways you can play Splinter Cell Blacklist with the conventional up you've been seen you've blown it do it again but most of the ways you can play it's way more risk reward you know, if you just want to go in guns blazing, you can do that. But if you really want to try to finesse it, you can try that. But if you're trying to finesse it and you blow it, okay, now you're playing a cool, exciting shooter. Um, just They're real flexible and generous with how you play your splinter cell. Um, and very, very co-op friendly. So some of you jokers are going to have to pick it up so I have someone to play with. Uh, so there All you go. Right. My, my games of the week aren't even out yet, I'm afraid. Uh, sure. So who... Who most broke the Game of the Week list then? McMaster for picking League of Legends? Probably. But that's <laughs> what I pick most of the time. You all know this. <laughs> oh, McMaster, I, I was just told Riot Games just called before the podcast, and they told me to tell you uh, t- to please stop playing. <laughs> oh, yeah? They, yeah? they want me to quit? Yeah, right, you're, you're sucking up too much bandwidth. Uh, they, they need you to ease off and give other people a chance. <laughs> All right, I'll pass that along to him. Thank you. All right, well, uh, if you're listening, once again, if you've made it this far, congratulations. Uh, once again, Lord McMaster, uh, stunning victory, well played. You are brilliant <laughs> when it comes to uh, Payday 2 trivia. Uh, congratulations. Uh, listeners, uh, again, follow us on Twitter. At QT3, the letter Q, the letter T, the number 3. Uh, like us on Facebook. Rate us on iTunes for a chance to get, if you give us five stars, like I said, McMaster will personally come over to your house and talk in your little tape-driven answering machine, if that's what you're still using. McMaster will record yeah. your, your, your greeting. Um, and uh, listen next week, uh, where I presume we'll be talking about some Saints Row 
And we'll have, a, I think, fingers crossed, a very special guest who I'm excited to have join us. Um, I am Tom Chick. Thanks for uh, joining me, Rob McMaster, Josh. And we will see everyone on the Quarter to Three podcast next week. Who's ready to go cook up some meth? <laughs> <laughs>